This is an EM Pulse Heartbeat with your host, Sarah Medeiros. Welcome back to EM Pulse. We have done a lot of episodes on the pandemic. Are you sick of COVID yet? Because we sure are. With the vaccine rollout, I think we're all looking forward to moving past this. But for some people, it isn't that easy. Of course, there are many physical, psychological, and societal long-term consequences of COVID. But today, we're talking about one that still isn't well understood. Long-haul COVID, also called long COVID, is frustrating for patients and puzzling for doctors. But it's something we're likely to see a lot more of. So today, I've asked back one of our go-to experts, Dr. Larissa May. Dr. May is a professor of emergency medicine here at UC Davis. She studies infectious diseases in the emergency department and has a master's in public health microbiology in emerging infectious diseases. She's been involved in the H1N1, Ebola, and most recently, COVID-19 responses. So, Larissa, today we're going to talk about this thing called long-haul COVID or long COVID. And, you know, this is something that's really frustrating for patients. It's puzzling for doctors. And I think it's something we're going to start to see a lot more of. So start us off. What is long COVID? So as you mentioned, uh, long-haul COVID is basically a constellation of symptoms where people who have been infected with COVID may have persistent symptoms down the road longer than one would expect for having had a viral infection. What kind of symptoms are we talking about? So the most common symptom is actually fatigue. Um, So people may have persistent fatigue, generally feeling unwell, headaches, and body aches. Uh, Some folks have continued respiratory symptoms where they feel short of breath when they exert themselves. And then something that we're terming brain fog, which is basically difficulty focusing or with memory or attention. Do we have any idea what proportion of people actually get these symptoms? So there's been very little literature that's been published formally in the peer-reviewed literature looking at this issue. However, it's estimated that at least 10 percent, perhaps more in certain populations, will have these COVID long-haul symptoms. Do we have any idea who is at risk of developing these? Does it matter how severe your initial disease was? That's the interesting thing about this phenomenon is it doesn't really appear to be associated with any particular risk factors. So patients who had mild illness seem to equally commonly develop this compared to patients that had had a more severe illness in hospital course or even required ICU care. So again, not related to severity of illness or hospitalization or even the other risk factors we know for COVID-19 like age. We don't really know who's at risk for this. Do we have any idea how long these symptoms might last? The most recent study, they had assessed patients at a median of 75 days after diagnosis. So that's more than two months for those patients who presented in the early uh, stages of when we were having the pandemic. Some of them are still having symptoms, so potentially months. Do we know why these symptoms are going on for so long? So I think that's under investigation currently. It's not really clear what the mechanism is and how COVID-19, how the SARS-CoV-2 virus might potentially cause inflammation or impact the central nervous system. Um, The mechanisms are not fully elucidated. So again, it's not clear. I have seen the studies, you know, smaller retrospective studies where they measured levels of other viruses like EBV and CMV in patients, for example, who were admitted to critical care 
And they found that up to 80% of COVID-19 patients seem to have EBV viremia, the significance of which is not really clear since most adults have been exposed to EBV in the past. But it may be that there's a role for these opportunistic co-infections to take hold or, you know, for the dysregulation of the immune system caused by the SARS coronavirus 2 to actually be impacting reactivation of some of these viruses, which is also known to happen in other conditions like sepsis. It's interesting that it's been manually documented for EBV, so it's not clear what that significance is. It may be related to the pronounced interleukin-6 response or cytokine response that happens um, in these patients. So that's also an interesting phenomenon. I personally find it interesting that, you know, EBV is associated with chronic fatigue and is there some component, you know, of that reactivation that might also be impacting people's symptoms. But I think we just need to do a lot more research in this space. And of course, correlation doesn't necessarily equal causation. I'm expecting to see more of these patients coming into the ER, you know, coming in, hey, I had COVID a month ago, I was feeling a little bit better, but now I still have blank, you know, whether it's chronic pain or all these symptoms that you mentioned. What kind of things should we be looking for in the emergency room? Is there anything that we should find particularly concerning? And do we have any treatments to offer these patients? Yeah, no, it's really interesting because some of these patients had COVID-19 um, and, you know, had a positive PCR test or were hospitalized and essentially now are having what we would consider a prolonged post-viral syndrome and just not feeling well. And so it's not clear how much is part of the recovery process you know, the inflammatory state that's induced by COVID-19 or, you know, is there some other, you know, microthrombotic event? It's not really clear. Are there viral co-infections? Um, since we know that, you know, more than 10% of uh, these acute cases may not resolve over the subsequent months, I still think it's important in patients presenting with acute complaints to evaluate whether there's something else going on. For example, a pulmonary embolism or, you know, some other infection. But I think in many of these patients, we don't really know where their trajectory is going to go and um, whether they're going to improve and how long it's going to take. So I think, you know, for patients that don't have concerning symptoms, they would need to be reassured, essentially, and perhaps sent for long-term follow-up. Do you have any advice for physicians who might be seeing these patients in terms of how to manage them? So I think, as in many emergency conditions or patients presenting to the emergency department, is really to have an empathetic and compassionate outlook for these patients. And really, we don't want to blow off their chronic fatigue or this is just a post-viral syndrome. You know, many of these patients are having these prolonged symptoms that they don't consider to be part of the normal healing process. I think making sure there's not an acute insult or other uh, co-infection is important. I think providing resources to these patients so that they can access primary care. And for example, for the patients that are having psychiatric symptoms, you know, perhaps referral to counseling or to a psychiatrist could be helpful. But unfortunately, unlike acute COVID-19 infection, where we are starting to have treatments that can be beneficial, there really isn't anything that's known to help with these symptoms other than symptomatic management. And what about for the patients? Do you have any advice in terms of resources or where they might go if they feel like they're not being taken seriously? You know, I think it's particularly frustrating having had COVID-19 infection. And then beyond that, uh, many of our vulnerable patients who have COVID-19 are also suffering economically, and this is really impacting their quality of life. So I think it's a difficult situation that unfortunately, as emergency physicians, we don't really have that much to offer other than reassurance. 
But I think just being an empathetic ear can be helpful. And then perhaps partnering with some of our resources in the community to help support these folks in other ways besides just their medical needs. Okay, so here are some take-home points. Long-haul COVID, or long COVID, refers to a post-viral syndrome in which people continue to have symptoms long after they should have recovered from COVID-19. These symptoms may include fatigue, shortness of breath, headaches, body aches, or brain fog. About 10% of people who get COVID-19 develop these prolonged symptoms, but it's hard to predict who will be affected, and it doesn't appear to be related to severity of disease. At this point, there's no specific treatment for long-haul COVID, just supportive care and symptom management. We are likely to be seeing a lot more of these patients come through our emergency departments. It's important to recognize that long-haul COVID is a real entity and validate your patient's concerns and symptoms. We can also help by connecting patients with primary care and mental health services. And patients should also know that there are many support groups online. Thanks so much to Dr. May for sharing her expertise with us. And thank you for continuing to listen and support this podcast. We'd love if you could rate us and leave a review on iTunes. It really helps us get our message to more people. Have you had long-haul COVID? If so, share your story with us on social media. We are at Impulse Podcast. Thanks to all of our colleagues at UC Davis and across the country and the world who are working so hard to treat patients with acute and long-haul COVID. Thanks to OM Audio Productions for bearing with us through all the technical challenges of pandemic podcasting. Catch you next time.